Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Hey, I want to uh, share some things this morning and as I do that, I want to pray first, and uh, if you will agree with me, would you pray a, a dangerous prayer? You trust me on this. Well, I'm going to tell you what we're going to pray before we pray it, and that's that the Lord would have his way with his word in our lives. So maybe we haven't seen things before that he'll show us. Maybe he wants us to do things we haven't done. That's a dangerous thing, but it's a beautiful thing. It's dangerous to... Only the enemy, really, right? So, Lord, we just do that. We, as we uh, read some of these words that you have said through people and through your son, we allow you, Lord, to have your way to reveal what your word says, what it means, what your meaning, and what you want to do through us, Lord. We just uh, align ourselves with your spirit and your word, our minds, our souls, our bodies, our spirits. We open up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I've often said that uh, the most powerful substance in the universe is the blood of Jesus. I believe that. I also believe that the most powerful weapon in the universe is love. It really is love. And I want to talk some about love today. And although it doesn't necessarily have to do with that we just passed Valentine's Day. But I really want to focus some in on that today. And so we're going to read a little scripture and see what the Lord says on this. You know, the first time that love is mentioned in the Bible, it's in Genesis. It's chapter 22, verse 2. And it speaks of Abraham's love for his son, Isaac, as he is taking him up on the mountain to offer him to the Lord, which was a symbol of the father loving his son, and giving him for us. So that's the first time that love is mentioned. And then, of course, in the Shema, what's called the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's read that together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might or your strength. It's called the Shema. And there's that, that love, that love, that word Really, in Hebrew, we know uh, a lot of what that means in Greek, but in Hebrew, the word is ahava, and in the middle of ahava, the word love, is hav, H-A-V, which means give. It's interesting that embedded in the middle of love is to give, and they really go together. It is love has that action portion, that action element of it, it doesn't just, it's not just existing, but it has this, this giving, which is part of it. So when we love the Lord with all, we were just doing it just a moment ago in some ways by giving worship, by giving praise, by giving air, by giving from our mind, our soul, our body to God. We're loving him when we're worshiping him. We're giving back to him. It's pretty amazing how that works. Then when Jesus came to the earth, by the time Jesus came on his mission, he shared a little bit more about this. John 3, 16, 
For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He's using that, basically that Hebrew concept. God loved, so he gave. That's what you do. That's what love does. I think someone wrote a book about that. Love does, right? Bob Goff. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Love isn't supposed to just reside. It is. It has an outflowing. It has something, it has an action with it. When the teachers of the law questioned, cornered Jesus and asked him, what's the, what's the, the most important commandments? You know what Jesus said, right? Matthew 22, verse 37. And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He was saying the Shema there. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Just found in Leviticus 19. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments of the 613 commandments that God gave, Jesus says, the Son of God who was sent because of love, says, here are the two most important. Love God with all and love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, the whole law, the other 611 commandments are built on those two. If you do those two, you fulfill them all. That's incredible. I like simplification. Jesus simplified 613 commandments. And it really is love. Love does it. Jesus revealed what I would call the the 11th commandment. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, that doesn't sound like a new commandment because he already said this was the second most important one. So why is it a new commandment? Because of what he says next. That you love one another, even as I have loved you. The way that Jesus loves is the new commandment. To love other people the way that he loves us. How does he love us? Oh, man. We've been singing about it a million different ways. But he loves us. He said, this is the new commandment I give to you. Love other people in the same way. Serve them. Be for their best interests, which is one of the definitions of love. Have other people's best interests at heart. That you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. They won't know you're my disciple if you don't love each other. But they will if you do. Loving one another is the fingerprint of a follower of Jesus. It's what sets us apart from every other person on the planet or other religion or other serving of whatever God. If we love one another, it signifies something. It identifies something. Uh, You're a Jesus follower. Love is what we are supposed to be doing. It is what we do and what we're supposed to be doing in Amounts that never end. Just continue to flow. What is this, uh, this love thing? Let me talk about some that we all know. 1 Corinthians 13, it's usually read at weddings. I won't even read that necessarily, but let's just take the concepts in there and what love says it is and what it isn't. I love that 
things that the Bible describes will tell us what it's not as well as what it is. Sometimes we know what something isn't that helps describe what it is, uh, as well as your calling. It's good to know what you're not called to as much as it is what you are called to. It helps, right? helps clarify. So in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible shows with us what love isn't. Here's what it is not. It's not jealous, does not brag, does not act unbecomingly. There's a lot of things that that could fall into. It is not, it is not self-seeking, which is really what the world's definition of love would be, would be self-seeking. But true love is not self-seeking. When you give, when you love, it's not expecting a return on that. What I would also add to that, not adding to the scripture, I'm adding to the definition, it's not a tool, love is not a tool for manipulation. Because that is not love. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered and not provoked. Wow. Those two hit me when I read them this time. If something, if I'm provoked, uh, it's not love going on. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It doesn't have that memory bank sort of, you did this, you did that, you did that, you did that, you did that. Mm. That's not love. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. So seven things the Bible lists that love is not. It only lists two that love is in this passage. Love is patient and it's kind. It's patient. It's patient. It's very patient. And it's kind. One of my favorite attributes of God. The kindness of God that leads people to repent, right? Love is kind. Of course, we know God is love. He doesn't have some. He's made up of it. It's who he is. It's the essence of who God is. And we know this, that love never fails. It says in that same chapter, verse 8, it never fails. It's the only thing that doesn't fail. Of course, God doesn't fail. But love does not fail, cannot fail. When you love, though we're not expecting a return on it, we're not expecting someone to do something, we know that it will work. God will use that in powerful ways, even if we never get to see a change or an outcome that's different. Eternity will tell the story of the unfailing power of love and what it does. Love always prefers others. It's always free with no strings attached. It's what identifies us as a follower of Jesus. Not our knowledge, but our love. It has emotion and feeling, but above both of those, it's a choice. Love's a choice. I say that to new couples getting married. Feelings, they will fade. At times, love is a choice. It's setting in motion an action to serve, to care about, to put the other person ahead. 
I've heard many stories through my life. You probably have two of those who've had near-death experiences. We had one last week. A gentleman that was here was dead for 54 minutes. Um, I recently just watched a movie called Afterlife. If you haven't watched that, I, I can recommend it, where they take from a really a statistical standpoint data these experiences of people who have had a near-death experience. They were gone for a while, then they came back. And they talk about what they went through. And it's incredible to me because these people didn't know one another. And the same stories I've heard throughout my life of people who have had near-death experiences. Very similar. Those who knew God, they will see this light. They get drawn closer and closer to the light and they feel love growing and growing and growing. And there's this usually conversation about love. For those who don't know the Lord, they see darkness. They go down to a tunnel of darkness. It gets worse and worse and worse. Terror, hopelessness, absence of love, absence of light. Uh, the one in this documentary that I just watched a couple of weeks ago, this guy did not know he was an atheist, did not like Christians, did not like God, didn't believe he existed, I should say, until he died. And he's going this dark tunnel. And he said it was horrific. They were, these dark creatures were pulling at his, his body, pull, gouging his eyes out, what he felt like. And he remembered someone took him to a Sunday school class when he was a little boy where they sang about Jesus. And so he said his name, Jesus, he called out to him. And he said, in this darkness where they were tearing me apart, I saw look like a star, tiny little star up above and it got closer and brighter and closer and brighter and closer and brighter. And then it took me back, took me away from these people gouging me and took me to where he was, and it was Jesus. And he started talking to me about love. And he said, you're going back. He said, I don't want to go back. He said, well, you got a job. you got to love. you got to love people. And that story I've heard over and over and over again like you guys have. In fact, we have a friend... Um, he was here many times. His name is Bob. I know him for many years. He died on Valentine's Day 10 years ago. But Bob's story was that in the 1970s, he had a near-death experience. He died, in a sense, found himself before the throne, and he was a Christian. And the question that God asked him, because he finds himself before the throne, and there is God, God asked him this question. He said, Bob, while you were on the earth, the time that I gave you there, did you learn how to love while you were there? That was a question he got. Did you learn how to love, to give this love away? Because that's what you were there for. I don't remember Bob's answer. What I know is that he got sent back. And in knowing him for the years that I got to know him, he was a man who loved people so well incredibly well. In fact, at his funeral uh, 10 years ago, it was amazing how many people would talk about him as if he were their best friend. He made you feel like you cared or that he cared about you, that God cared about you. He demonstrated love. That's part of what we're here for. That atheist that went back, one of the things when he said, why am I going back? God told him, love your wife. If there's nothing else you do, love your wife. Just give out love. During the course of our short lives here, this is what our mission is. Your mission, my mission. 
is to love. Think about this for a moment. Jesus said that when he returns, he'll have great reward with him. His reward he's bringing with him when, we are, when there's that judgment. He's bringing reward. And the Bible talks about, we'll get there as well at some point, about there's great reward when we love other people. That's amazing. So at some point, you and I will be rewarded based on how we've loved other people and how we've loved him. Not how successful we've been, how much money we've made, how many friends we've gained or likes, but how we've loved, how we've given love. It's a mark on us. Jesus said, of course, to abide in his love. Live in his love and give that away. Live in his love and give that away. There's our job. Luke chapter 6, Jesus provides a little clarification about who to love and how to do it. He said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. That's not a big deal. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Verse 35, but love, which is seeking the highest good for your enemies, your enemies, and be kind and do good. And the Amplified says doing favors so that someone derives benefit from them and lend, expecting and hoping for nothing. In return. Ah, that, 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 this kind of love is different. To not expect anything in return. I'm loving because I love. I'm giving because I'm giving because I love. And I'm not expecting to get a return on that. No ROI on this. I'm not expecting a return on this investment. I'm just giving. Hoping, hoping for nothing in return. But considering nothing is lost and despairing of no one, and then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind and charitable and good to the ungrateful and the selfish and the wicked. Everybody, those who are wicked, those who are selfish, those who hate you, those that you would call your enemy or they call you their enemy, love that person. And your reward will be great. If Jesus says a reward is great, it's beyond anything we can fathom. And this is where the reward comes from, how we love one another. When we uh, dig a well in Africa, we've done, <clears throat> excuse me, just over 1,100 of these now, different wells, different kinds. It's, uh, there's a terminology that we use once we dig and then you line it and you wait to see what the static level of water is going to be after you dig the well. So once you dig it, you hit a, the aquifer or an eye and it starts filling up the hole you just dug. And then it stops. It gets to a certain level and it just stays there. And you have a hole full of water is what you have. And that doesn't do a whole lot of good for people yet until 
you bring the pump. Whether it's electric, whether it's hand pump, the water just sits there, just static level, until you put the pump in. You start pumping that thing, and it gets distributed. And it brings life, and it touches, and it brings joy and hope. That is similar to love. We are not supposed to have a static level of love, carrying it around. Just we've got it. Yeah, I really love that person. Or I love you, God. But nothing is ever given or distributed or dispersed. A friend of mine said, let love reach its destination. Let love reach its destination. Make sure that it gets to the person that you have it for so that they know about it. Tell them. One of the things I do uh, and have done since I've been an ordained minister in 1997, I've done a lot of funerals. Something amazing at every funeral is when people stand up and they talk about how amazing this person is that's in the box. And each time that happens, though it's wonderful, I still think about this every single time. And here's what I think about. I wonder if that person who's no longer there ever heard those words from those same people while they had ears to hear and they were walking around, they were alive. Did love reach the destination of their ears before they died when it would benefit them? Or not? And I'm thinking, I hope so. Boy, I hope they knew that. Some, some, someone says something incredible, like, oh, I hope they knew that. I hope they knew they felt that way about them. And that's part of our job, is making sure that love reaches its destination. If you have a, a kind word or thought or emotion for someone, make sure that you tell them. Make sure that you let that find its way to them, to encourage them, to inspire them, to share with them. Tracy Evans is a friend of ours that comes here often, usually about every other year. She's a missionary in Mozambique. Uh, most of you have heard her speak here. Uh, in hearing her testimony of how she got saved, I just uh, so impacting. She grew up in an atheistic home. Uh, her dad and her brother were in prison while she was growing up. So he wasn't around dysfunctional home, decided to go to the army. She gets in the army, and uh, she hates Christians. She hates God. And she is bunked with this woman, African-American Christian woman. And uh, I think Tracy's on the top. She's on the bottom. And Tracy just does not like this person. And this person loves Tracy. She's a believer. And she's kind to her, and she loves her, and Tracy makes her more angry. Every time she's kind to her, she makes her more angry. She starts thinking about, she said, here's what Tracy said. She said, I would lay awake at night thinking about how could I do her harm? And she did. She sabotaged her work so that she got demoted. She sabotaged her work so she got demoted. And this went on over and over and over. Tracy would say horrible things to her. And in return, this woman, Christian woman, just loved her. 
forgave her, smiled at her, loved her some more. This went on for months. Even after this lady gets demoted, incredible. One day, Tracy walks into the bunk room, bunk house, and there is this woman with Tracy's shoes in her hand, and she's polishing them. And Tracy said, I broke. Here's this woman who I've caused great harm to, have hated, and now she's polishing my shoes. And she said, why are you doing this? What is wrong with you? I, I, I treat you horribly, and you're being nice to me again. Why are you doing this? And this woman said, well, here's what's been done for me by this man named Jesus. Shares the gospel. Tracy receives Jesus, repents of her sin, receives Jesus. Her life is completely changed. And in hearing from her, she's been a missionary now for 40 years, lived on garbage dumps in the Philippines, rescuing children off garbage dumps. She's rescued literally thousands of children from death. Touch the world. I've seen a person raised from the dead, actually. That's an amazing story. I'll ask her to share next time she's here. All because of a woman who didn't, uh, who wasn't provoked, who wasn't provoked, but demonstrated love in return. Not an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, a rejection for a rejection, but love regardless of how she was treated expecting nothing in return. Powerful. It is a powerful weapon. Love does what we cannot do with our words in saying things just right. Love is an action that sometimes is words. Other times it's serving. Other times it's giving in some way. But I would say oftentimes opportunities to love, of, to love others arrive in packages that appear like the devil is mistreating us. Sometimes opportunities to love others arrive in packages that appear as though the devil is mistreating us through others. And so we can fight back or reject or get upset or get provoked. I've done that many times. And we often miss our opportunity to put Jesus on full display because we get offended by how we're treated. Christianity, following Jesus, doesn't just mean that we have truth and better information than the other people. It means that we've been empowered to love in ways that we've been loved. And we've been empowered to give away something that they don't have. It's really, it really is love. John 13, 35 says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. I read this already. If you, are, if you have love for one another... The work of the Spirit of God in our lives means that we are loving more and more and more. It can be a way to measure how I'm doing with my mission on the earth. Am I loving people more? Am I loving people better? If when you and I stand before the Lord, is it well done, good and faithful servant, you loved well. You loved much. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another, that's a strong word, in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Paul said in Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brethren. 
Yes, Jesus set you free. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's repeating what Jesus said. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. It's a great prayer. And for all people, just as we also do for you. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Again, he's bringing his reward with him. He's praying that we would increase and abound in love so we'll be ready for his return. Increase and abound in love so that he will so our hearts will be established in holiness without blame. I met uh, an African man. Uh, he lives in Moshi, Tanzania. And he's a pastor, wonderful guy. He and I got some time together and I was asking his story because he's, uh, he was a Muslim before. So I said, tell me what happened. How did you, why are you a pastor? Tell me that journey. He said, well, I grew up in a Muslim home. He said, but I met this man who was so kind to me and he invited me to go to lunch with him. So he said, I went to lunch with him and he paid. And during time, he didn't preach at me or anything. He just was kind. He was asking me questions about my family, asked, asking this question, that question, and just so kind to me. And we got done with lunch, and he said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow for lunch? He said, nothing. He said, well, can I take you out again? Sure. They go out two days in a row. At the end of the second lunch, which was like the first lunch, he said, what are you doing tomorrow for lunch? Nothing. He said, can I take you out one more, one more day? For lunch, sure. At the, at the end of the third lunch, my friend says, I was ready to give anything I had to have what he has. And the, then he shared the gospel with me, and he said, I gave my life to the Lord at the end of that third lunch. Now, he said, what that meant then is that my family, when I told them, would not only reject me, but they would probably put a hit out on my life, that my life would be gone. They would probably try and kill me. Not only will I not receive an inheritance, but I'll be rejected by every family member. I won't have anybody in, in my family anymore. But he said, it was worth it. It was worth it. And what he did is he began to pray for his family and to give that love to them. And over the next decade or so, they also met Jesus. That doesn't always happen that way, but it did for him. Three lunches of kindness, and a man is ready to give up all that he knew and had for this Jesus, for this love that he feels coming out of him. We have something to give that is so powerful. It really is. Love won him over. And I know that everyone has difficulties on this planet, hardships, things they've experienced that are just rough. Whether you're a believer or not, 
And I think everyone is on a heroic journey. If you're alive, especially if you're here on a Sunday morning, you know, the enemy hates you coming to church, by the way. I mean, crazy things, difficult things will happen just on Sunday mornings that are different than the rest of the week. Why? Because the enemy, he's, he's, he resists relationship, fellowship, and hates you worshiping God. Especially collectively. There's something so amazing about your collective worship to Jesus. The enemy hates it. So he's going to throw all kinds of things out there on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights to just say, get you to stay home. Do something different. Take a hike. The enemy's always trying to cause those things. And, and love is this thing that the enemy hates you to give away. He tries to keep it from happening through you at any cost. Get you preoccupied with yourself. Get you offended. Get you provoked in some way so that you're not releasing the most powerful weapon on the planet through you. So that that water just stays inside of you instead of gets pumped out. We have to do the opposite and give love. Look for ways to love other people. Look for ways. Creative. We have the creator of the universe living inside of us. Someone said once, the closer you get to the sun, the hotter it gets. So the closer we get to Jesus, the more creative we should become since he's the creator. So as we look to the creator... We can ask him for creative ways to love other people, to give things that will be a gift they've never had like that before. Or say a word that's a gift, something they've never heard before, a compliment, kindness, a truth. It's a powerful thing. We need to think of ways, ask God for creative ways to love our enemies. How about that one, our enemies? Can you think of someone that's an enemy to you? In your mind as you're sitting there? Anyone seem like, or maybe they see you as their enemy? That's what I'm talking about. What if we said, well, what about this prayer? Okay, Lord, here they are, their name. I bring them to you, God. I ask for a creative way to shower and give away this well of love that you've given me that I have for them. Would you show me how to give it to them? Love. I'm not asking for you to get them in a bad way for what they've done. I'm asking for you to help me give them the same kind of love that you've given to me. And you may find yourself designing a special customized birthday cake for them. You might find yourself sending them something that is meaningful or doing something for them. This is helpful. Your enemy, the one who hates you. Jesus said, this is how, hmm, the sons of my father, this is how they live. If you're a son or a daughter of my father, well, you find an enemy to give love to. If they've mistreated you, spoken horribly about you, falsely accused you, hmm, those are the perfect ones. The perfect ones for the love of God to come through the children of God. It's the exact opposite than the world. Polar opposite. You and I are called to live polar opposite of the world. Not only forgiving, but going beyond forgiveness to love, which is giving. We can send texts, phone calls, emails, serve in different ways. So many different ways to serve someone. Clean 
a car for them, help out in some way, care for them. Be generous. God is generous. Cook a meal. Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. He's really speaking to the church here, helping the church. How do we treat one another? He says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. If someone's celebrating, join in with them. Celebrate. Weep with those who weep. If someone's going through a hard time, they're weeping. They have great loss. Weep with them. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly. Celebrating people is powerful. That is one way to love. That's one way to love. It's one way to give. And we can do this. Find people who you know who've been through hard things and celebrate them. Help them. Pray for them. Encourage them. It can mean the world to them. All right. We really are done. Let's put our love on. Let's put the pump in the well and look for ways to love other people and do this mission. You know, one of the things too, that as we love each other and love one another, one of the things that the Bible says is it hastens the return of Jesus. What in the world? He's waiting to see his bride love one another. And as we just read, as you love one another, There's a holiness and a purity that happens. And Jesus says, I'm returning for a spotless bride. Part of the way that happens, seems weird maybe, is by us loving each other. It includes our spouse, includes our children, our parents, those closest to us, which often maybe get mistreated the most from us. We're supposed to love them. When when the Lord said to that atheist, head back, I'm putting you back in your body. You're back on the earth and here's your job. Love your wife. Love is supposed to know no bounds and just pour it out, not expecting anything in return. Lord, help us to love this way. Father, thank you for loving us so much and loving us first that you would send your son to die for us and carry the weight of our sin, our shame, our ugliness, The darkness, thank you for carrying it and burying it, for cleansing us. Thank you for washing us clean. Thank you, Jesus, that we have a hope and a brand new life. And thank you that you have moved into this shell. You've moved in to this earth suit with your spirit to empower us to give like you gave, to love like you loved to live like you lived. Lord, we just align our minds with your words today. We align our spirits with your words today. We align our hearts, our souls, our strength to love you and to love one another, to choose it. And we choose it, Lord. If we don't feel it, we choose it anyway. Let feelings of love for others grow But Lord, also, we just say, yes, we're gonna love others and we're gonna love you. Lord, help us, empower us to be your force on the earth, your force of love. And thank you, God, 
that you've given us this unstoppable, most powerful weapon. Release it, Lord, through us, to the city, to the nations, that your name would be lifted up, that you'd receive every bit of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.